evening everybody welcome and thank you so much to be here i'm really really excited about this evening um we're just going to have spend the next hour together and um so just relax um if you haven't already go grab that cup of tea really quick or or whatever your favorite drink is and sit down and join us we have uh kendra tierney here with us tonight kendra is um going to answer your questions and um we're going to talk about um the liturgical calendar, just being Catholic all year, right, with Kendra. So Kendra is a Catholic wife. She's a mother of many, from littles to teenagers. Um, she loves to dabble in teaching, reading, writing, cooking, baking, sewing, crafting, all those things I'm not good at. So I'm impressed already. Graphic design, home remodeling. No, I do home remodeling. That I do. <laughs> and watching Netflix streaming. I'm also good at that. So um Kendra's website, if you haven't visited, you got to make sure you go. It's Catholic all year. And um, Walter, if you could just pop that link for me into the chat, that would be great. Because this really is a must bookmark website, Catholic all year. And some of Kendra's books are the Catholic all year compendium, my superhero prayer book, and the little book of confession for children. So thank you, Kendra, and welcome. Thank you so much for uh for having me, yeah. Yeah, we're so glad you're here. And, um, you know, so we asked people in the community, you know, what questions do you have for Kendra? And um, we just have a ton. So would you, is there anything you'd like to say to start or you want me to just jump into questions? Well, maybe just uh, in case people um, aren't familiar with my blog or what I do, that my, the sort of the focus, my, my passion in life is really liturgical living in the home, which um, has just been really sort of foundational for, um, for catechism and family culture for our family. And so what that means is um, looking at those feast days and seasons uh, of the church year, and we can see them in the way, in the differences in the way that we celebrate the liturgy at mass, the different colors that the uh, priest wears as far as vestments, the uh, different music that we hear, and the celebrations of of special days for saints and for historical events in the lives of the Holy Family and the early church. But liturgical living in the home is taking those days home with us and uh, and observing saints' days, learning about saints, uh, observing different devotions that are associated with different seasons of the year, associated with particular saints, and using the liturgical calendar as a way to actually get to those prayers, get to those devotions. Um, so for our family, it's sort of a framework of, of how we learn uh, about saints' lives and about these different points of doctrine that, yeah. that instituted feast days in order for the faithful to learn about. So, so that's what liturgical living in the home is, is for us. And we're coming up on Advent, which is just the best time to start uh, if you haven't. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my deal. Um, my, uh, uh, my sort of most well-known book, I guess, uh, the, the one that is 
sort of was born out of my um, my blog and, and all the things that we like to do together as a family is this one, The Catholic All Year Compendium. Um, and I have a brand new book that just, uh, I think that it just came out today. <laughs> I've had them for- Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. But, um, this is Ocam Emmanuel, and it is a book uh, on the Jesse Tree, uh, Jesse Tree devotionals for families. And, so who's the publisher? Uh, Emmaus Road. Uh, so, so, so it's Emmaus Road. And, you know, if you can buy it directly from the publisher, you guys, like that's the best. Yeah, I'm sure it's on Amazon or whoever your favorite Catholic. Um, it is, but I actually think it's faster from Emmaus than it is from, from Amazon right now. So yeah, wow. and yep. go to Emmaus. Out real publishers when, when you can. But yeah, anybody who follows me on my blog should probably ask me why I wrote a book about the Jesse tree when I said that we don't do the Jesse tree. So. All right. So tell us. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear. Um, well, I mean, the short answer is that Scott Hahn asked me to, and you do what Scott Hahn well, asked yeah. me to, right? <laughs> um, but the long answer is that that um, that when he asked me, you know, my initial inclination is yes, I'm going to figure out how to make this work. But what I want to do is look at why didn't the Jesse doing the Jesse tree work for our family when when all my little when all my kids were little. You know, I, I, I tried it when we just had little kids. And basically the way we attempted it was, you know, looking at our phones, trying to look up the readings, trying to, you know, make our own ornaments. And it, it just felt like we were too spread out and trying to cobble this together every night. So what I wanted to do when they approached me is, all right, so let's have art and scripture and a reflection and a prayer all in there in the book. So all I would have to do is wrangle my kids into one room and sit down and it's all there for us. And it's yeah. short. And uh, my goal in writing the reflections was that they would be, uh, you know, understandable for little kids, but meaty enough that, that, that even adults will find yeah. things of interest and hopefully go, oh, I didn't know that. Um, it's just such, the Jesse tree is a really cool and sort of unique uh, tradition in the church where, you know, we, we can connect with, with these Old Testament stories and see how they lead, see how these symbols lead to the incarnation, to Jesus's birth. Um, so, you know, I'm really grateful to, to Emmaus Road for, for asking me to look into it again, because yeah. it really did allow me to gain a new appreciation for it. And, and boy, it's just so rich. The, the, these, these old, the, you know, the typologies and the symbology is just amazing um, and how it really does lead, you know, just like Scott Hahn has been telling us for 20 years, it really does lead <laughs> us to Christ um, right. in a really profound way. And so you tested it out already with your own family. Yes, yeah, we, we did it all 25 days, but I did sit us down and and to, to test the length because I still have, you know, I've got a one-year-old and I've got an 18-year-old. So I have a wide base for testing things. <laughs> um, and it seemed like a reasonable length. And, you know, they, they'll tell me if they don't like things. So they, they thought it was, they thought it was pretty good. So. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, every book I've written has been, um, I mean, it's just, the kids are involved, you know, it's, it's for the love of literature was just, tried out on my kids first before mm -hmm. I put it out there. That's right. That's just the yes, way to do absolutely. it. All and, these little guinea pigs. Right. <laughs> I never had to put together curriculum. I just tested everything out on them. <laughs> so um, someone's asking, um, let's see. 
How do you discern which activities your children should participate in? Uh, so religious activities, just, you know, sports. <laughs> yeah, let's just say um, outside activities, outside of your homeschool. Why don't we go Yeah, there? so we were a lot more involved with things like that uh, before we had so many kids. I have 10 kids now. And um, we have stepped away from a lot of organized outside activities in order to try to protect our family time more. Yeah. I found that, you know, there were there were seasons where it, it did work really well and we'd pack a picnic lunch and we'd all go down to the sports fields for for the kids games um, and just try to keep things, you know, re relaxed on that front, but allow them to participate but as we got kids older and in uh, and my kids transitioned to our um, local independent classical Catholic school um, some sometime between sixth and eighth grade, we move them over there. And so as our kids have gotten older, we've really focused our driving and away from home um, time on the older kids. So yeah. we really don't do sports for the little kids anymore. Um, and I'm somebody who is, is a big supporter of sports. I, I was a division one athlete in college and it's something that I really love. None of my kids are as passionate about it. If they seemed to be, I think I would really support them, you right. know, as much as they needed on that, but, um, they really enjoy unstructured playtime. Um, and, and so that's kind of what we focus on, but you know, it's things, it's things like this, that different families approach different ways. You know, I know big families who are really passionate about, you know, one or two activities and all their kids do them and they're really awesome at them. And I love that. I love seeing that for us. We've just sort of decided to be more homebodies as a reaction to yeah. having such a big family and that has worked well for us. Um, we, we have a, the, you know, in normal years, we are sort of the epicenter of, of kid friend activity. The kids have a lot of people over and they jump in the trampoline yeah. and they, um, you know, ride bikes in the neighborhood. And that has worked really well for us. And it's just a lot less stress for me on remembering to pick people up, which I'm not great right. at. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we were always at house, right? Where everyone came to us and because right. I people would say, Oh, you're so generous to open your home up. And no, no, I, actually I'm lazy and I don't want to drive to your house. <laughs> come to my house. You know, we had the we had a backyard ice rink and, oh. and all this other stuff. So it was, yeah, come to us. It's much easier. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know, activities you can also do find activities that everyone enjoys. But I'm like you, if if they're not really into it, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time and energy getting them to a sports league if they're not really into it, you know, right. so I'm with you there. Someone else, or she also asks the same mom, um, how do you manage meal planning, shopping, cooking, all that while you, you're also integrating, you know, all, all this other, all this other stuff? Yeah, to me, the liturgical year has been really um, formational for me on, on that front as well. Just, it helps keep me organized. Um, I have a, let's see, got my stack of stuff behind me, you know, very professional. Uh, all right. So I design, I, I couldn't find wall calendars that I liked. So I made my own. These are, <laughs> these are on my website, um, but I just, you can also use the free ones that they have in the vestibule at church, uh, probably next month. 
Um, but this has been the the biggest thing on on making liturgical living in the uh, in the home happen for me is just having a wall calendar that has feast days on it. And so I like having one that has the seasons that shows fasting days or recommended days of abstinence. Mm-hmm. And what I do is at the beginning of the week, I look what feast days are coming up and I will try to plan a meal that is sort of associated with, um, with a, a couple of upcoming feast days. So maybe mm-hmm. a country that's associated with the saint or some of them have traditional foods that are associated with them in, in, in different countries or associated with, you know, a story from their life. And to me, that uh, it, it inspires me to sort of raise my game because I think all, yeah. uh, you know, I can't be the only mom who doesn't always feel motivated to, to cook, you know, for an army, but, but this is the way that, that makes me want to try new recipes that makes me, makes my kids remind me, oh, we always have such and such a food for such and such a feast day. We did that one time. But now we all- <laughs> all right. Um, so do the kids help? I mean, so because to me, living the liturgical calendar, living the liturgical year is a more joyful way, right, of living Catholic and because it's always a party. Right. So are Absolutely. your kids engaged in helping you with the cooking and planning and all that? Yes. And again, I am sort of my my natural inclination is to chase everybody out my, you know, Acts of service is my love language. So what I want is you all to go away and let me make a meal for you. But because it's associated with a, a saint's day, because that the act of preparing the meal and, and choosing the meal is really part of our catechism because we're talking about why we're choosing that. And so it really does make me, you know, on these days, I let the kids help. I let them get involved. And, and it's been so amazing to see as they get older, and, you know, if I'm away or if I'm sick, you know, they, they don't want to let these things slide for the, for the younger kids. So they take over so and sweet. I've got, I've got sons and daughters who are enthusiastic cooks and, you know, and can definitely prepare a whole meal like 10 year olds who are, and I didn't learn to cook until I was married. My poor husband, like already married. And I, uh, <laughs> when I started experimenting with cooking. Yeah. Um, what I'll tell you is, as a mom with children in her tw- in their twenties and in their thirties, um, what you're doing is going to pay off in spades. Just just so you know, it's going to be amazing when your kids are older and you get to be my age and you get to go to their house and they will prepare <laughs> meals for you and and tell you, no, mom, I got this. Oh, it's great. Um, it's so interesting you know? to be on the cusp of that with you yeah. know, my my oldest son is is a freshman in college this year, but still wow. here because his college is in Los Angeles. So it's all virtual. Right. Um, but as far as cooking for a crowd, that's just something that, you know, it happens incrementally, but I just have big pots and I just make <laughs> two or three times every recipe and it works out every time. I, you know, people you are always in the, you make extra and then freeze for later. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yes. Especially things like, you know, if we make stir fry or if we make you know, carne asada burritos or something. So it's in a whole bunch of different things when I put it out for everybody the first time and then leftovers get layered into a casserole, foil over the top and into the freezer. And then I don't have to make dinner another night. Um, now yeah. your recipes that you're using are, can people find those in your book? Uh, I have a lot of suggestions for foods that we eat in the book. 
the yeah. actual recipes uh, is my next big, uh, my next big project. That'll be probably a couple of years Yay. in the making, but okay. Yeah, so in the meantime, is there some place where people can go to find uh, recipes while we're waiting you know, for you to write I mean, that book? Catholic cuisine is a great resource. Um, and, and, and then I just, I mean, I do a lot of just sort of poking around, but, um, there are some fun, uh, old cookbooks. Uh, uh, um, oh, I can't remember. There's one called feast. There's one that soups. It's all soups. Um, yeah. that's liturgical year. That one's great. Um, there's a Vatican. There's, there are two really beautiful Vatican cookbooks, um, that are put out by the Swiss guard. Um, that, uh, that are really fun to flip through, but yeah, I just, um, my son, my, my 18 year old son was joking that, um, he needs, he would need to come on here and tell everybody that what you need to do for liturgical living in the home is just think of food puns that have to do with the saints, <laughs> things like, um, St. Thomas s'mores, that one, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, boom, it's liturgical living in the home. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry. That was, that was pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good, right? It's memorable. Yeah. <laughs> now, is your, does your husband help out? You know, you're, you're doing all this. Is, is he able to help with school or, or any other practical ways? Yeah. So it's interesting. We, we are sort of a divide and conquer, um, couple. So I tend to really focus my efforts on my babies and toddlers and homeschoolers. And then he uh, is sort of in charge of the uh, junior high and high school department. So they have, you know, they have evening check-ins with him where they have to, you know, accountability for their schoolwork and also, um, you know, things that they're working on in their moral life and goals for fitness yeah. and uh, friendliness and, and all sorts of things. So he's really great uh, about uh, about, you know, really keeping the, the older kids accountable. As far as liturgical living in the home, I have really, um, I have another, I have another book that's coming out, uh, next May. That's all the prayers and things that I, uh, and scripture readings that I recommend in the Catholic all year compendium. Uh, and until then, uh, for now they've been, I, I have them, uh, on my blog in little printable monthly booklets. Uh-huh. And those I really developed specifically to be able to have my husband be able to lead us in our devotional activities without a lot of, uh, w without any prep work for him ahead of time because he's really busy and he, right. God bless him, rolls in, you know, in time for dinner. Uh, and I know he makes a lot of sacrifices at work to, to make family dinners happen for us. And I just think it's so important. And so um, it's yeah. a big part of our family culture is sitting down together for dinner. And he, you know, he goes to daily mass. So he knows what feast day it is. And he can, you know, talk to us about what the priest said in the homily. But I, I have those prayers or devotions or there's particular blessings that are associated with different days. And as the head of the household, he's the one who, um, has the authority to bless the, you know, the people in the household. And so it, it really is 
this sort of dinner table model of catechism, which which is what how I really see liturgical living in the home is, you know, catechism that happens around the dinner table. And and it really allows him to be the leader of that, even, um, you know, without without spending time on it ahead of time, because he can just sit down and I can say, hey, here's the you know, here's the prayer that we do on um you know, here are the Advent wreath prayers. Here uh, is the blessing of wine that we do on the Feast of St. John. Um, and and I love that uh, that he's so involved in that way in it and that it really allows the kids to see that that prayer isn't a isn't a kid thing, isn't a mom thing, that it's a that it's a family thing, that it's a you know masculine thing right. too. Um so that is a wonderful example for your sons, right? I mean, boys really need that that masculine example. And you know, our husbands are gone slaying dragons all day. Absolutely. And so, yeah. And you they know, don't and, they don't get to see them at work. Um, so to right. be able to see them in that leadership capacity in the home. And that's why, you know, I I love our homeschool. Um you know, I I love the way that our homeschool allows us to have catechism and saints lives worked right into our curriculum and that it's, you know, and, and our morning prayers and everything, but that's something that it's just mom and little kids. So the liturgical living in the home has been such an important supplement for us because then it involves our teenagers, it involves dad. And I think maybe that's, you know, that's a really important reason to, to explore this in, in, in your family, uh, in everybody's family, I think because of the ability to, uh, to involve dad. Yeah. So the big question um, in the chat box is, do you get a good night's sleep? <laughs> do, do, do you tend to sleep, Kendra? <laughs> uh, I do not. I do not sleep a lot. Um, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I don't need a don't lot. Of- answer. What is sleep? What do you mean? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, uh, I have a pretty crazy schedule that I keep that allows me to do things like writing, but I should preface this. I didn't start any of this. I didn't feel called, you know, I was nothing but a stay at home mom. That's all I thought that I would be. I actually still really identify as a stay at home mom. Um, even though I do a lot of work from home and, and speaking and videoing and whatnot, but but as I felt, as I started writing the blog and felt called to write books and, um, and I, the shop, the graphic design, all of that, I've really tried to sort of compartmentalize those things. So I try to not do them during my homeschool day at all, not yeah. respond to comments on Instagram, not, you know, write blog posts while kids are doing things. I try to really focus on them during our homeschool day, which is, you know, because, uh, they move on in the older grades, we're really able to do it just in the morning. So, you know, eight to noon or one, uh, and we're done. And then I take a nap when the babies take a nap for, you know, for about an hour and then, you know, family time in the afternoon. And then I go to bed early. I go to bed, you know, maybe nine. And then I get up at like three in the morning, (laughs) uh, and work until the kids get up. Um, and we start school at eight. So, that's sort of my work day is when it's nice and quiet. And so that's when I write and uh, paint chapels and uh, <laughs> There's so much you get done in those wee hours, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, uninterrupted time is worth an early four. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, I was the same as you. There were certain hours during the day where I just did not work. I didn't write none of that because, you know, family comes first. And if something has to go, that's, you know, it's not going to be the kids, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'll just say, you know, it's easy to feel like, you know, because I can do these things, like I feel like I should, but it's not my vocation. And I, I can, I have to remind myself every day, like I can walk away from all of this and, and still be fulfilling my primary vocation as a wife. Um, and, and my primary job as a mother to my kids. Um, so that's really what's important. And if, if things have to go by the wayside, it's always going to be writing or, you know, all this peripheral stuff online, which I've actually, I mean, I am online a quarter of what I used to be. It's just hasn't been a great place to be recently. Um, and so I just sort of backed off of it because, you know, I don't need to be away from my kids in order to get scolded online. (laughs) Right. I think a lot of us are feeling that way right now. So let's move to a happy subject. So someone's asking, uh, Elizabeth asks, what is your favorite Catholic picture book? What's your, f- for children? Oh my goodness. Um, and then follow up is what's your favorite novel for children? <laughs> um, there are so many great, great Catholic picture books out there now. I mean, I have a whole stack of them. You're lucky that it's not here. Otherwise I would just start showing you, but I, I have uh, so many uh, that, you know, publishers are sending me, um, send me books to review and there's just so many great ones coming out right now. Um, I have an old blog post called, uh, what's it called? Uh, like liturgical library, I think it's called. Um, and I have picture books associated with saints days that we use throughout the whole year. Um, and, and I really love those. Um, Ignatius has recently been reprinting a lot of the old, um, Tommy day Paola. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right books, which are really fun. And they, my, Tommy DePola. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that just recently. That's so exciting. Yeah. A bunch of his books, his more religious books had been out of print and they, um, they have been reprinting them. Yeah. Um, they're so great. My kids just love those. They're, they have such sort of whimsy and, and truth in them. I, I really love, um, not exactly Catholic book, but we always read um, a book called The Bear Skinner uh, for uh, Michaelmas for the Feast of St. Michael, because it's about, uh, it's an old Grimm's fairy tale about a guy who makes a deal with the devil. And it turns out to not be a good idea. So I think that's a good lesson <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, on the Feast of St. Michael. Uh, I love that one, but yeah, there's so many that, that we really like. I wish I could remember, um, the name of it. Uh, one that somebody just sent me and it's really beautiful, really good illustrations. Um, but we're so lucky now. I, I feel like 10, you know, 15 years ago when my oldest was little, there were slim pickings for Catholic picture books. And now, now there's so many that we can't get. Right. To yeah. When my oldest were little, we did a lot. Tan had the, um, Oh, where are they? It's the series of little picture books that, they, that the missionaries sisters did way back in the day. The treasure box. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just, 
I've got them all right behind me, but yeah, you're right. It, it's, it's, it's gotten way better. We relied a lot on Tommy DePaula books and, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, there's a lot. I just heard Regina Doman's coming out with a new picture book. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I love Reach it. Reach out to her. I'm sure she'll send you a copy. Yeah. Did, <laughs> did she write Angel in the Waters? I really love yes. that. Yes. Yes. That one's so pretty. I, I give that, that book. I give that at Baby Showers. Um, my kids <laughs> love that book. So do you have a favorite chapter book for kids? Um, we really love reading aloud as a family. Um we, you know, Narnia books and, um, Freddie, the pig love Freddie, the pig books. Um, not religious, but so they are fun. Um, you know, as we're approaching Advent, uh, there are some really great books that we love reading aloud during Advent. And one of them, the first two chapters of little women, uh, are about Christmas. And especially, I, I think they're really great for this year as we're talking to our kids about, hey, this is a difficult year. A lot of things that we are used to being able to do are going to be canceled. Um, yeah. A lot of people, you know, need more help as far as charitable giving. And so we're going to try to really focus on that. And boy, you know, little women going through Civil War Christmas. Um, I think yeah. it would be a great um, inspirational read for read aloud for a family at this time, sort of help with that eternal perspective on things. Um, another one is the 24 days before Christmas is a great one. Uh, and it really shows how Advent has been celebrated in previous eras, well, all previous eras until just recently, really at that time of waiting and preparation and not just pretending it's Christmas already. Uh, so that's a great one. And I, I really, uh, I love that book for showing little incremental ways to decorate, little incremental ways to prepare rather than just saying, all right, Thanksgiving's over, boom, like full on Christmas decoration to, to add things slowly over the course of, yeah. of Advent um, has been really great for our family. Uh, another one is uh, The Children of Noisy Village has a couple chapters in there that are on how they celebrate Advent and Christmas, which is really beautiful. Uh, and my kids love A Child's Christmas in Wales, which is not religious at all, but you can find an audiobook version of the author who I'm blanking out on his name, reading it, but he's from Wales yeah. and he's got this great accent and my kids just crack up at, uh, <laughs> at, at the way he says things and what he says. And it's, uh, it's great. So I really, really, Oh, and then, um, uh, a Christmas Carol is another great oh, one. Yeah. We have such great family memories of, sitting by the fire and reading aloud uh, from, from these books, especially during Advent. Yeah. I mean, Christmas Carol really is a fun read. It, it is. You know, yeah. I remember rereading it as an adult and, and cause I had to read it for school. Right. <laughs> and, and I just didn't remember it being that it, it really is a fun, enjoyable book. I loved it as an adult. You so know, the language is so clever and I just think it's right. so good kids to to just hear those descriptions and oh yeah I love reading it to my kids um Bernadette asks so we're going to kind of change gears here a little bit um I'd love to know what your planning looks like I also homeschool with mother divine grace 
So everything's mostly planned out, but I have an infant and with all my duties, find it difficult to plan anything more than a coloring page for feast days. Um, well, that's why, yeah, I do, I do Mother of Divine Grace too, have been doing it since my uh, freshman in college was a kindergartner. Um, and I love how it's planned out and I don't have to think about that and I can just check the little boxes off and feel great about myself as a homeschool teacher. But, um, but as far as adding in other things, that's really, I mean, I don't print out coloring pages. I don't have time for that, but my kids want to eat dinner every night. I'm going to have to feed them. And so if I can do a little bit of advanced planning, then just a couple of days a week, a couple of times a month, maybe, I mean, just depending on how things are going that, you know, season for us, I can, I can just do the, you know, plan my meal planning around a couple of feast days. And then it's conversation around the dinner table. And to me, that's, that's really what makes liturgical living in the home work so well for us for so many years is it's, focused for us on things we were going to do anyway. And it can be that way for anyone. So if you're a family that goes out to eat a lot, then you can, you know, choose a restaurant based on a feast day. If you do art projects, then great, you know, go to Catholic icing, go to Pinterest, find art projects that, that go along with feast days. I don't do that. That's not something that's going to be part of our regular routine, except for Advent, which again, liturgical living gives me that framework, makes me do stuff. So we do family projects together during Advent and crafts and things like that. But, uh, uh, but you know, really not otherwise. So I think that the best way to handle it is to look at what are the things that work well for our family, what are things I'm doing anyway? And how can I tweak those a little bit to reflect the church year? And, you know, if you decorate your mantle, can you use liturgical colors? Can you make your, your mantle look Advent for Advent and Christmas for Christmas and Lent at Lent? Um, You know, do you have a little altar table? Can you change out artwork or a saint quote? Um, It doesn't, what, what works in my family doesn't, it isn't necessarily what's going to work for everyone, but for us really having it based on food and conversation has been manageable for a long time because it's what we were going to be doing anyway. And it's just motivation for me to make that better. We were going to have to sit down and eat. So, uh, you know, but, but having associating it with feast days makes me make better food, makes me be a better you know, a better uh, homemaker. Right. I mean, you cannot discount, I don't think, the importance of that family meal and those discussions. We just, my daughter's visiting from New York and we celebrate my son's birthday just this last weekend. And the conversation went to those family meals from when they were little. And it just, you know, they remembered so much. It was just a great conversation, you know, listening to adult children talking about those experiences and how much they learned at the dinner table. So, you know, that's a huge, huge learning opportunity, everybody. That's probably one great thing to walk away from this talk is the importance of that. And I know it's so, it's so hard. And I, 
I, I need to give my husband more credit because I know how hard it is for him to get away and how yeah. in the hours that he's expected to work. And, you know, so he, he spends his day at work. He comes home for dinner almost every night. Um, and you know, and then he's expected to put in more time in the evening, but, but carving out and protecting that time for family dinner has just yeah. made, it has made all the difference because it means that it means that I'm motivated to, to, to be a better homemaker. It means that we sit down at the dining room table together somehow when he's not home and there's only 11 of us eating dinner. <laughs> um, then it doesn't matter if we just stand around the kitchen counter and eat. Um, yeah, but, right. but it, it really having it, the prioritizing that family meal and telling the kids, you know, obviously with, with teenager schedules, they're not going to be here every single night, but telling them, Hey, go ahead and come home after come home after your sports practice and eat dinner with us. And then you can go out, you know, to, to that thing that you were going to do, go to that party or whatever, because, you know, we're having family dinner. Dad's going to be home. We're having this for this day. Um, but just to, and, and they know, they see the sacrifices that my husband makes. They see the effort that I put into it and they, that gives, that gives it weight. And they know that, that it's right. something that we care about for, for them. So that leads to Cecilia's question, which is, what would your advice be for a mom whose husband is fairly reluctant? He's he's Catholic, but he's really she's really struggling with getting him to engage. Um, you know, yeah, dinner or with the homeschooling, whatever. I I mean that that can be hard, and that's something that you know that I experienced in my own childhood. That my dad was not Catholic while we were growing up. And it's funny to me now because I have to think back and realize, whoa, my dad wasn't Catholic when we were growing up because he is now. And, and he has been my kids whole lives. Um, but, but, you know, my, it was, it was just my mom who was taking my sister and I to mass every Sunday, who was making sure that we went to CCD classes and got all of our sacraments. Um, and, really her technique was, was one of, of prayer and good example and, uh, and not harping him and not criticizing him and, and just setting the example of faith being important. And the thing that really brought my dad into the church was, was getting to know other families for whom their faith was important. Yeah. And him getting to know other husbands, other dads, and seeing other families and realizing, hey, it, you know, he's sort of a pragmatist. And, and, and so this is, whether it's true or not, and, you know, we believe it is, but whether it's true or not, those were the families that were happier. Those were the families yeah. that were more connected. Those were the kids who were more engaged and, and so to make friendships with families that you want to emulate, have them over, get yourself invited to their house. Um, that if I think that, you know, specifically for, for moms trying to get their husbands more engaged to have that example of, of other dads who, who are engaged in, in catechism and in yeah. leading their, their family, because 
so who, you know, so many of them haven't ever seen that. Uh, my husband has a podcast called the dad project that is not, it's, um, it's not overtly religious. It's based on, um, on, uh, like character really. So, uh, that's something that, that I think is great to share with even dads who aren't Catholic at all, but Mm -hmm. want to raise children with, you know, a moral center and have a, um, and, and virtue, uh, and most of the people who give talks on it, maybe all are Catholic, but, um, but I think a good start is just to say, especially for, for a dad who's already Catholic is, um, is if you, if you look either on my website or, um, on Amazon, uh, I have a book called Catholic all December. It's just a little booklet. And that has all the prayers that we use for all, for all through Advent and the beginning of Christmas. It's got the Advent wreath prayers. It's got the Christmas anticipation prayer. And so if you can get him home for a couple of dinners, um, you know, a week and just say, Hey, would you lead this prayer? And we can light the Advent wreath and the kids will like it because it's fire. And, um, (laughs) you start having those maybe positive associations with it. Um, but yeah, I think that, prayer and personal sacrifice and setting that example of, of our faith, making us more joyful and more understanding rather than more frustrated and more accusatory. <laughs> um, I don't know. It worked really well for my mom. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, I mean, it's uh, 25 years, but right. <laughs> God's time, not ours. Yeah. So it's the podcast.dadsproject.net. I think it? Walter put it in. Right. Oh, okay. Thanks, um, Walter. Yeah. On top of it. Yeah. Yeah. The dadproject.net. Yeah. <laughs> He's a good business partner. So um, <laughs> we compliment each other well. So um, Monique asks, in a large family, uh, do you think it's better to have the same curriculum for everybody or to piece different things together to, um, you know, for kids who learn differently or have different interests? You know, what's your best advice for just keeping things simple? Yeah, again, that just varies so much from temperament to temperament of, I I think mostly of the mom who is, or parent who is in charge of the homeschool day. My best friend with, uh, with whom I plan, you know, conferences and, um, and, and run all sorts of things. She and I both homeschool all of her kids and she cobbles together a new curriculum every single summer and I don't get it at all, but it works for them. (laughs) Things that, you know, are going to be of particular interest to a particular kid in that particular year. And I just do what mother divine grace tells me to do every year for the past 12 years. And I like it. And I, that, that's how I like it. And I do like to, um, bring the kids together for particular subjects. You know, that's something that can be a challenge with Mother Divine Grace in particular, I think, is that if you do each different thing for each different kid and you have four or five kids in different grades, you know, that's that's not necessarily a, a manageable, tenable situation. So I do combine, you know, we'll combine history for a couple of grades or we'll all do spelling together. Um, but... But I think that it really is dependent on on what you as their teacher 
love, you know, and I think we can focus maybe too much on what is going to be exciting or interesting for the kids because I don't know. My take on it is that it has to be something that I can manage and then I can be enthusiastic about it and love it and just transfer that enthusiasm and love to my kids. And that has always worked for us. Um, and emotions are contagious, right? I mean, if if it's not working for you, it's not going to work for them if you're miserable and unhappy, you know? And, um, I'm like your friend, like every year I, I put together something different, but that's what that's what sparked joy in me, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so I think that's one of the beautiful things about Catholic homeschooling is that we, there's so many different ways we can do it. And I think you're right. You have to really look at what's going to work for you as the mom. Uh, yeah. I think that's, it's huge because you're, you know, you're the figurehead of, of the school. And, right. um, and, and so I think that I have to do things that I love and enthusiastic about and can, um, you know, and can, and share, can love sharing those things, it, you know, and just things like, like intermediate language lessons. I love intermediate language lessons so much. I love my kids writing out a letter about the purchase of a rabbit. I love all of those <laughs> things, um, that are just so fun and old timey because I love to imagine myself a, you know, uh, the early 20th, century one room schoolhouse. Like it just, I, I really enjoy that. And, and so my kids will tell you that, that those grammar lessons are their favorite subject. And it's because I, you know, we have so much fun with those silly conversations about, you know, of what use are a cat's paws. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I know other families who like, what is with this book? It's so weird. <laughs> I don't like it. Then you shouldn't do it. Right. Do something you love. Right. Your your homeschool doesn't have to mimic what everyone else is doing. Do what's going to, every family's unique, right? So Christina is asking, um, she's thinking about Advent and her, her older four children are getting bored with it, right? They're getting older. Um, they're getting bored with the Advent stories, the Jesse tree, um, and some of these things seem to be getting lost on the youngest. So what suggestions do you have for making Advent more meaningful and joyful for the older kids as well as the younger? Yeah, I think that what can help, what has helped in our family with older kids is to really sort of get that, to get that buy-in from them with the motivation that, that this is something that we're, that we're doing for ourselves and also for the little kids that, that this is something that gave you joy and wonder when you were a kid. And we want that for the little kids in our family as well. Um, and so to try to give them more of a leadership role, you know, in our, in our family, we have what we sort of, we, we have team little kid and we have team grownups and big kids when it comes to feast day celebrations. And so when they make that transition from yes. team little kid to team big kid, it's, you know, whether you are the recipient of the secrets or the you know, <laughs> provider of them. So, you know, um, getting to stay up late and help fill shoes on particular feast days, getting to, you know, stay up late on Christmas Eve and wrap presents and set things up. Um, you know, hide, we, we do a hiding the coins uh, activity on, um, on spy Wednesday. And, and so the bigger kids will, will get to be the ones, you know, shepherding the little kids around for things. But 
I think that it just stuff like this is is not it, it's not a religion issue. It's a parenting issue. And yeah. it's, you know, how can we teach our older kids that it doesn't have to be your absolute first choice of what to do this night? It's it's what our family is doing. And and it's for a good reason that our family is doing that and that we all make sacrifices. I and think teaching that, people of service. Right. right and right. serving those little. And so, it depends on how, you know, on how you're selling it to your big kids. Um, that is the point of this, that you would get the most joy and, uh, you know, and, and, and entertainment of anything you might be doing tonight. No, that's, that is not why we're doing this. We're doing this because we think that it's a good family activity for us. We think it's formational. We think that it'll be good for the little kids. And <clears throat> I know, it, you know, in my family growing up with just two kids, my mom was able to do everything for us and, you know, and often did. And we really took that for granted. We just sort of thought that parents are there to do things for children so that children can have a very entertaining and easy life at all times. And one of the great things for me with now raising a big family is that you know, you couldn't possibly, I couldn't possibly, you know, mother in the same way that my mom did. I need help. I need buy-in. I need assistance. And so my, you know, making sure that my kids know your parents are making sacrifices for you. I'm doing things that I wouldn't rather be doing right now out of love for you so that you can get to this place that you want to go or so that you can have this party that you want to have or, so that the little kids can get those same experiences that you did. Um, so just sort of cultivating that awareness of, we say all the time, you know, what, what could you be doing to help our family? That's one of the things that we say, you know, constantly all day long, what could you be doing to help our family? And if what you could be doing to help our family is the Jesse tree, then, you know, yeah. um, then I think that that's a good way to grow in character. Um, like I will say though, that there are, yeah, I say just like right, John. Exactly. What, what can you do now? Don't ask what you can do for your what your country can do for you. What can you do for your country? So, what can you do for your family? It's true. It's true. Um, and uh, but I will say that thing that that we have moved to to more um, sort of traditional observations of of devotions rather than there are more sort of little kid versions that I think in my in my compendium book, I recommend a, um, uh, stations of the cross re- reflections that we used for a long time with our little kids. And at some point my older kids came to me and they're like, we just don't want to hear these stations of the cross anymore. They're just kind of babyish and weird. Um, and so we started using the St. Uh, John, uh, 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 uh stations of the cross, yeah. which are, obviously a lot more thoughtful and a lot more, you know, have stood the test of time. So you might want to look at, um, at which devotions you're doing. And because I don't think that we need to cater the language necessarily of devotions. Yes. They don't fall Um, we know we don't need to cater the language of, of the devotions and prayers that we do to the tastes of little kids. 
because, you know, they'll sort of pick things up as they go along. And especially these things that we're repeating, they'll hear them year after year. So as much as we sort of started off with the more babyish, um, maybe, uh, you know, kid focused devotions, but to move to something that's a little more sophisticated, my little kids aren't going to complain about it. And then the big kids will get a little more out of it. Yeah. So we have about, you know, six minutes left. And I want to be respectful of your time. But I got a couple more questions I want to throw out there for you. Um, Samantha's asking, um, her family life's just been turned upside down. There's, you know, illness, moving, um, you know, life is just crazy right now. What, what are, what's the priority for Advent and for Lent? You know, what, what can you say? Okay, not this year, but this we really do need to do. Yeah, I think that, again, it's going to be temperament. And I have gotten pretty sick with my last couple of pregnancies. Last year, my two-year-old, we spent the beginning of Advent, which is my favorite liturgical season. We spent the beginning of Advent last year in the hospital with my um, then two-year-old son, who was in the hospital for five weeks with bacterial meningitis. Oh, my goodness. Um, Yeah. And um, so, obviously... Things are, you know, things have to give. Um, but I think you just pick what are the things that that you know that are giving that, that seem to be the most meaningful to your family, and are the things that you can actually get to. And maybe in a really difficult year, maybe you could get to the Christmas anticipation prayer and just say that once a day during Advent and that would, you know, sort of mark Advent, or maybe you can have an Advent wreath, you know, and maybe you can get to that because that's really something that you can attend to once a week. Um, and, uh, but for us, for Advent, especially in a difficult year, the, the liturgical living type of Advent is more manageable for me than the sort of secular Advent of you got to do big decorations all over. You got to have all these Christmas parties and work parties. And, you know, yeah. as much as this, these lockdowns, these shutdowns, these, you know, mandates are, uh, have been really difficult on a lot of levels. I'm kind of looking forward to not having two Christmas parties a week throughout all of Advent <laughs> Because that makes it, you know, that makes us have to work double hard in our family and in our home to protect our sort of in our home Advent bubble that we'll pop out of to go to things that people call Advent parties, but look a lot like Christmas parties. Um, And and so I think we won't have to fight that fight as much this year and, and that we can protect our family Advent by you know, decorating slowly, adding things where we can, you know, letting the kids cut messy paper snowflakes and hanging them up, you know, having, um, having sort of lower expectations and not having an, you know, Instagram worthy decorated living room isn't, you know, that's not the goal. The goal is for it to feel like we are preparing for something, you know, in the way that you prepare for a baby coming in the way that you prepare for, you know, the sacrament of marriage where there's, you know, you, you have the practical things of you got to plan the meal and you got to have the outfit, but you're also preparing, um, you know, spiritually, hopefully you're praying, you're meeting with the priest. Um, and, and so to have all those aspects 
but but in a way that's manageable and just anything that is stressing you out, you know, cut it out. You don't have to do all the devotions. You don't have to do a novena and a Jesse tree and the Christmas anticipation prayer and the Advent wreath. We do all of those things, but you don't have to. You just pick the ones that have seemed meaningful that you think you can get to that you're not going to feel like you're, you know, chasing after everybody all the time, trying to make it happen. Yeah. You know, in life with COVID, if it's taught us anything, it's figuring out what's important, you know, mm-hmm. uh, one last question before we say goodbye um, from a fellow mom of 10 with a one-year-old and uh, the oldest in college, she wants to know, how do you feed your spiritual life when you're feeling depleted? Yeah. I, I mean, again, temperament is so um, important and figuring out what, what fills you up. And so I know for me that creating these opportunities for my family feels really meaningful spiritually for me, that if I, that, that, that feels like an act of service that I'm doing, you know, for Christ to bring my children to him in these ways. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but also getting up early when it's quiet and, and being able to start my day with a little bit of, of prayer without, you know, not starting my day by, uh, you know, jumping right into my responsibilities as a mom. Um, but, you know, finding the things that you need to prioritize for you that, you know, my, my best friend who's an extrovert and, you know, needs to get out and be doing, doing things for her religious edification. So she, you know, once she's much better than I am at getting out and getting to adoration. You know, I, I get out to adoration when she calls me and she says, we need to go to adoration. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you know, otherwise. We all need a friend yeah. like that. Yes. Yeah. More of a like quick drive by thing when we're out running errands, like, Oh, we haven't been by that chapel in a long time. Let's stop in the parking lot. And Jesus is in there. Um, but you know, she's really good about making more, you know, dedicated time out of the house. I'm sort of a homebody. And so I, you know, really prefer to, you know, spend time in my chapel or, you know, really, I I guess my, my kids are such a motivation to me to spend time in prayer with them. Um, But yeah, I I don't think that there's a one size fits all. Um, You know, we, we used to, I, I don't I don't think that there's a one size fits all, but again, to find out, to figure out what are the few things that that really make a difference for, for me in how I react to difficult situations, um, you know, throughout the day and, and what is it that's sort of filling my tank? Is it, you know, getting enough sleep, getting to mass, um, you know, the, those those types of things can make a big difference in how, um, in how we feel about our family and spiritual life. Yeah. Funny for me, it it was letting go of, I need my time. I need me time. And just coming to the realization that I'm not going to have me time for, for a decade or two. So I just need to focus on time with the kids and, and finding, you know, my spiritual be fed through them and through feeding them. So uh, yeah, I really fed, no. came to that exact same realization that 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 wasn't. I mean, for and and again, you know, maybe for some people it really is Im- important, but letting go of that idea that um, 
what was really, it was really important for me. And to just, I, I remember an, uh, I was having a difficult day with the kids at, at mass and, uh, and, you know, a little church lady came up to me and I'm going, Oh boy, is she going to criticize my, me for how my kids <laughs> behaved at mass? And what she, in, what she said is, Oh, you are going to look back and miss this so much someday. Uh-huh. I thought, oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, you, you look over at the people who could just go to mass and sit there by themselves whenever they want. And, uh, <laughs> right. But she's looking at me wishing that she could be climbed on by a bunch of toddlers during that, during that right. daily. <laughs> and, and that is a prayer in of itself, you know, I mean, gone are the days when you can just focus and, and meditate and pray before mass um, because you do have toddlers growing crawling on you, but that's a prayer in of itself because you're bringing those children to Jesus. So we need to find, find joy in that. Right. Because trust me, I mean, the day I'm, I'm not quite an empty nester, but almost, um, and that day comes and you do miss it. So just to let you all know when you're, those of you who are struggling, you will miss it. I promise. Um, well, we're at the top of the hour. So, you know, Kendra, anything you want to leave with anything last you want to say? Well, I, I think, yeah, the, the, the one thing that I hope you take away from this is, well, two things. One, I hope that you will give liturgical living uh, in the home a try, uh, and, and I hope that you'll do it in baby steps. And, you know, just adding a couple of things here and there, not trying to do everything that you see, you know, people doing on the internet or, you know, in among your friends to, to just choose uh, some devotions that, that really are meaningful to your family and, uh, and can help, uh, you know, focus on what, what these different seasons really mean for us as Catholics. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that you'll be patient with yourself and, you know, when you fail to try again or try something different and not, you know, just give up. Amen to that. So everyone, make sure you visit Kendra's website, catholicallyear.com. Check out her books. Um, Lots of great resources at that website, everybody. Lots of great resources within those books. I really encourage you to check that out. Um, Thank you all for being here tonight. Thank you for being part of the Catholic homeschool community. We appreciate you. Um, Invite you to continue these discussions in the community. And, you know, All you veteran moms, uh, we also invite you to reach out and help the young new moms. um, Or, you know, not all of us are young. There are some new moms coming in because of the pandemic, but just helping those new moms get through this this school year. So God bless you. Thank you so much, Kendra, for your time. We really appreciate you being here. And thank you, Walter, for all your tech help and keeping the chat box going for us. So good night, everyone. God bless you. Thank you.